Welcome to the Embrace Church podcast. We exist as a church to relentlessly reach the next person for Jesus. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you. Let's jump in. All right, what's going on, Embrace? Welcome to church today. I want to welcome those of you out at T or Sertoma at our network churches. If you're watching online, a special welcome to you. To all those of you in the room, glad you guys are here today. Uh, I'm Brian, one of the pastors here, and I am continuing our series called Masterpiece, where we are talking about famous pieces of art. And our hope behind this is because we believe all these pieces of art have a story behind them, a message behind them. And we're trying to link and make connections. How do these pieces of art connect to our faith and connect to our walk with Jesus? Now, I am not much of an artist, but back in 09, I worked a job where I sold siding and doors, and I did this door-to-door. I was terrible at it. Uh, You could say I sold door-to-door. And here was part of the job that I had to do. For the client, I had to draw their home using colored pencils so that they could see how great their house would look with the new siding or the new door or whatever they purchased. And most of the staff drew these houses and it looked something like this for the client. Now you'll notice how this staff person, he drew, he used the blue because the house was white and it was like, hey, look how great your house is gonna look with this new blue siding. It's really gonna make it pop. My drawings looked more like this. And you'll notice I put a lot of work into the bushes because I'm just like, hey, if you really water the bushes, they could get really green. Um, I was not good at that job and I'm not much of an artist, but I do like art. And it's been interesting learning more about this piece of art that we're talking about today. The backstory is really, really interesting. I want to jump right into it. The famous piece of art we're talking about today is, of course, dogs playing poker. Um, I'm just kidding. It's not dogs playing poker. I asked Adam if I could do dogs playing poker, and he said no. And I said, I quit. And then I said, I don't quit. I want to keep working here. And so if you Google dogs playing poker, it's actually very valuable. So if you got one of those, I mean, the originals, probably the one that you have in your beer can isn't worth anything. Um, The real piece of art that we're talking about today is Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh. Now, this is one of the most famous paintings in the world. I think it's a really interesting piece. The swirling sky, the bright yellow moon, the intense cypress tree in the front. Here's what one uh, contemporary art critic had to say about this painting. He says, without any background in art, you would still feel the emotions invoked by the painting. The artwork conveys the mood of sadness and depression and flows throughout the background, making the sky a river flowing down the painting into one's mind. I don't know if I would have said it like that, but it's interesting to see how people interpret art. Starry Night is wonderful. It is a really interesting painting, but the story about Starry Night isn't about the painting. It's about the artist. Vincent van Gogh is the artist, and he is one of the more famous painters and artists in history. Vincent van Gogh was born in the Netherlands in the mid-1800s. He's Dutch. They say, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. I don't know if that's true. One guy said preach over there. Uh, And so he was born in the mid-1800s in Netherlands, and he was the son of a pastor. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be, he wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps and be a Protestant pastor, but he failed the entrance exam to seminary. And so he was uh, disappointed by this, but undeterred. 
he decided to become a missionary. Vincent van Gogh was actually a missionary in southern Belgium in a mining town. And when he got to this town, he found this town and the miners, a lot of them were sick. They were in poor living conditions. They had no money. And then while he was there, tragedy struck that mining town. There was an explosion. And so now this town and this community that was already struggling was just trying to survive. It was simply fighting for its survival. Look at what his biographer writes. He says this, Vincent gave away everything he owned, including most of his clothing. By such actions, he won the admiration and respect of the workers and was able to convert some of them. And so this is really interesting because in early in his life, Vincent van Gogh is working as a missionary and he's seen some success. He's actually converted some of the people that he's been working with to Christianity to follow Jesus. And he's in it with them. He's doing the work with them. And then suddenly, out of the blue, it seems, he gets fired from being a missionary. Did you know you could get fired from being a missionary? I was unaware that that was a thing. But he gets fired from being a missionary and he is crushed. Understandably, he's crushed. And so at this point, his brother encourages him to pursue art. And from this point in his life, he pursues art for the rest of his time. Also, this is kind of the point in his life. Uh, Van Gogh's famous, a little bit famous for his struggles. Uh, He struggled with mental illness. He struggled with depression. He struggled with alcoholism. And that also kind of started at this time. And we'll get back to those struggles in a moment. But as an artist, Van Gogh was self-taught. He did spend one year in a well-renowned art academy or school, but he only lasted a year. He flamed out. And so as an artist, though, he is self-taught. He is pretty prolific. He created a thousand works of art in 10 years. His entire art career is the last 10 years of his life. He created over a thousand paintings. He uh, created many, many more drawings and etchings. And one of the things he's known for is he created 25 separate uh, self-portraits of himself. And this is interesting. These are only, I think we could only fit 13 of them on here. But he did 25 of these, not because he was vain. He did 25 of them because he was poor. He could not afford for paying a model to sit for him. So he painted himself. And all of these paintings we get to kind of see, we think we know Van Gogh maybe more than we do because we get to see how the artist viewed himself. We have all these images from his own hand. And then you're probably wondering when I'm going to get to the most famous part of his life, him cutting off his own ear. And that is legitimate. He did, or at least most people believe that he did. Um, Now, most researchers think that he did this in a manic episode when he was depressed and probably in an argument with his roommate, also while drunk. And so he cuts off his ear. And that's what, when most people think of Van Gogh, that's what they think of. His mental illness was so intense that he checked himself into a mental institution. And strangely enough, he was prolific from that room in the mental institution. Starry night. He painted that while looking out the window of his room. His room had bars, the window had bars on it, and this was his view. He painted from memory, he painted mostly during the day, but this was his view at night. And so Van Gogh is a really interesting character, and then there's mystery even at the end of his life. 
By the age of 37, he died of an apparent suicide. And I say apparent because there is some dispute between historians and researchers. Others think that he did not die from his own hand. He just took the credit, so to speak. And so Van Gogh is really interesting. He's kind of looked at in the uh, art community as the quintessential, the perfect image of the tortured artist, one who struggles for their craft and struggles in life and never sees their fame or their art really known by the masses. He sold one painting in his life and died in relative obscurity. Most people did not know him when he passed away. And this is a lot of background on Van Gogh, but the reason for this is because I think we can learn two things from him. I think we can learn one thing from his life, one lesson from his life, and one lesson from his art. But I want to be clear. Uh, He died 130 years ago. I didn't know him. His biographers didn't know him. The art community that loves his work didn't know him. So we can't really know his faith or lack of faith. But what we can know is what he said and what he wrote. And I want to show you one of his quotes. This is Van Gogh writing here. And he says this, Christ alone of all the philosophers, magicians, etc., has affirmed eternal life as the most important certainty. He has lived serenely as an artist greater than all other artists, scorning marble and clay and paint, working in the living flesh. Working in the living flesh. You see, there is some debate from historians as to whether or not Van Gogh actually held on to his faith through the end of his life and through the struggle with mental illness and depression. We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that even through that, he still had a view of Jesus that was high. Look at the last line of this quote from him. He says, he, meaning Jesus, lived serenely as an artist greater than all other artists, scorning scorning marble and clay and paint, working in the living flesh. And this is the first lesson I want us to learn from Van Gogh. The first lesson is to value Jesus. Would you value Jesus? It's interesting, even through his depression and his struggles, he still valued Jesus highly. He recognized Jesus as the greatest of artists, one who did not work with paint, did not work with stone or marble. He worked with human beings and he created beautiful art in them. Van Gogh saw Jesus as the greatest artist of all time. And this lines up with what the author of Corinthians says. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. You see, artists create. That's what they do. They create. And God, Van Gogh's looking at Jesus saying, hey, he's the greatest artist of all time. And what he creates in people is beautiful because he creates transformation and new life. And Paul is saying, if you are in Christ, that's what it means. If you are living with Christ, it says, if anyone is in Christ, if Jesus is highest, if he's most valuable, if he's number one in your life, if you are in Christ, then you are a new creation. My wife, Andrea, and I, uh, we got together in our college years. Here's a picture of us. Doesn't it look like Andrea just won the lottery? She's just like, I can't believe I get to go out with this guy, right? Uh, This is us in our college years. Uh, We did not go to the same college. Uh, We are pretty sure that we would not have stayed dating had we gone to the same college because Andrea would have been like, why are you skipping all those classes? And I'd be like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just skipping them. And she'd be like, you're dumped. But we stayed together 25 years in. It's going pretty good. And 
Andrea, during those years, during her college years, she would say, and, and I would say that God blossomed her faith. Her faith really grew from high school through college. She can't point to a day like, hey, this is the day that things changed for me. God just changed her over a period of time, which is interesting because I can remember a time, the fall semester of my sophomore year of high school, I can point to that time like that was it. That's where God got a hold of me. That's what I remember. But for some of us who follow Jesus, we can't point to a time and that's okay. But God did this work in her. And a few years after uh, this picture, we were at a high school reunion, Andrea's high school reunion. And we were around a table and one of the, one of the classmates there said, hey, out of the group here, who's changed the most? And without skipping a beat, one of her best friends in high school said, oh, so-and-so has changed the most in their looks, but Andrea's changed the most by far. That's easy. And Andrea was a little bit taken aback. She didn't even know how to respond to it. But what was it that changed in Andrea's life from high school to that moment? Well, it was Jesus. It was the man who Van Gogh calls the greatest artist of all time. He had done a work in Andrea. She was more patient with people. She was kinder with people. She loved them well. She made different decisions on Friday night. God had changed who she was and she was a new creation. And Van Gogh, it's interesting, he valued Jesus because of what he could do in people the transformation he could make and the beautiful work that he could make in people. He valued Jesus even when the church didn't really value him. Remember when I told you that he got fired from being a missionary? You want to know why he got fired from being a missionary? Because he was too good of a missionary, essentially. He was in it with the people. He gave away all of his possessions. He gave away everything that he had. He was in it with the people. And then they decided, you know what? Uh, You're working too hard with the people. You don't dress well enough and you don't speak well enough. So we're pulling your missionary status. That's why he lost his job. He essentially cared too much. You ever been in an interview where you ask the interviewee like, hey, what's your biggest weakness? And they're like, I probably care too much. And that's a lie in every interview ever in the world. But for Van Gogh, it was true. He really loved these people, but the church did not see him as someone who dressed well enough or spoke well enough. Notice what his biography, biographer writes about him. He says, it did not seem to matter to them, the church, that he literally poured his life out in sacrifice and service on behalf of the diseased and destitute. You see, by all accounts, he was what a missionary should be someone who cares for the people well, someone who's in it with them. He sold everything he had. He even ripped up his own bedsheets to use as bandages for the workers. And yet the church cast him aside and he still valued Jesus highly. And I think that that is surprising. In today's day and age, that is not generally the case. When somebody is treated poorly by someone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, they will equate that with Jesus. But with Van Gogh, I think he had enough wisdom and enough humility to not equate how he was treated by the church with how Jesus would treat him. He didn't equate how the church treated him with how Jesus would treat him. And so he knew he still valued Jesus. 
And for us, would we value Jesus well? And let me say this, if you are someone who's been hurt by someone who calls themselves a Christian or by the church, I wanna say, I'm sorry. The church is not the same as Jesus. Oftentimes me as a follower of Jesus does not live up to his expectations. And so if that's you, I am so sorry. But Van Gogh yet still values Jesus highly. And look what he wrote to his brother, Theo. Vincent says, I think that everything that is really good and beautiful, the inner, the moral, the spiritual, and the sublime beauty in men and their works comes from God. And everything that is bad and evil in the works of men and in men is not from God. And God does not approve of it. So for us, would we take this one lesson from Van Gogh and his life? Would we still value Jesus as most important? Would we value Jesus as most precious? Would we value Jesus as number one in our heart? And if that is the case, Jesus, the greatest artist, can come in and make you a new creation. So that's the first lesson. The second lesson, I think, is from his art, and it's this. You do not define your value. You do not define your value. Look at Starry Night again. Now, when I started researching art and this piece in particular, I assumed that all art was valuable because it was painted well, because it was painted skillfully. And while that is true with this painting, Van Gogh is well known for his unique use of color. He's also well known for his brushwork. If you go to the Modern Museum of Art website in New York City, you can see a 3D rendering of this and you can kind of manipulate the photo and see in some places how much paint he used. In some spots, he used so much paint that he barely manipulated it with his brush. And so he is well known for being skillful and a great artist. And yet his skill with this painting is not why it's valuable. Because it's painted beautifully is not why it's valuable. It is valuable because the story behind the painting and the story of the artist. I said earlier that he only sold one painting in his lifetime. And that's true. After he had passed away, his brother Theo released to the public hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of letters that were between him and Theo and between the rest of the siblings. And those letters today are some of the most important and valuable documents in all of art, the art world, because they give us a view into the mind of Van Gogh. They give us a view into his process and why he painted such and such and when he painted it. Some of the letters are so interesting. You can see sketches of the painting itself, and then you see the actual painting, and he's writing to his brother telling him what he's doing and what he's thinking. And when those were released his fame just shot through the roof. And so the painting itself doesn't define its value. The story behind it does. And I want to give you a couple of quotes from those letters. Um, The first one is Van Gogh writing to his brother and he's simply talking about his process. And he says, hey, when anyone says such and such painting is done too quickly, you can reply that they've looked at it too fast. You see, he was so prolific. He did over a thousand paintings in a short amount of time. And some of the critics would say, oh, this is, you're doing stuff too fast. And what he would say is, you're not looking at it long enough. 
There is detail and beauty in this that you're not seeing. And so through this letter, we get to see in the mind of Van Gogh. The second quote that I want to show you is talking about Starry Night. And he says, For my part, I know nothing with any certainty, but the sight of the stars makes me dream. I know nothing with any certainty, but the sight of the stars makes me dream. So when you have that quote from him, and then you look at Starry Night, it gives you a different feel. You understand more about the process and more about the artist. Even his time in, the, in an institution, in a mental institution, he wrote about that to his brother. He said this, my health is good. And as for my brain, that will be, let us hope, a matter of time and patience. You see, there's very few artists and even current artists that have helped us understand so much of the meaning behind their art. And then you add a sensational story about cutting off one's ear and then mystery around his death and the value of his work has just shot through the roof. And that's not just true with Van Gogh. This is really true with all art in the world. Most art, while yes, it still needs to be painted well and skillfully, but oftentimes it is something else that is driving that value. Interestingly enough, uh, like I said, with Starry Night, he painted that from his institution window, from the bars through the window. We know because of his letters that his life was a mess in a lot of ways. He was depressed. He struggled. He was poor. His brother Theo had to help him with money, and yet his art is super valuable. For me, what's more interesting about the man Van Gogh, and this is more spiritual, is that he is valuable not because of what he did. Someone else defined Van Gogh's value. And that someone else is God. And we have so many times in the scriptures where we see uh, where God shows us our value. Look at this verse from Genesis. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You are an image bearer of the living God. Your value comes from the one who created you. He created you and he loves you. And that's where your value comes from. Look at Ephesians. Look what this says. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You were created with a purpose. It is not random. There's a purpose behind your creation. You were created to do good works in Christ Jesus. God gets to define your value, not you. And then lastly, David in Psalms writes about God. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. You see, God defines your value. He created you in his image. He made you for a purpose. He knew every piece and part about you as he knit you together in your mother's womb. Today, would you hear that you are defined by him? And my prayer would be that that is good news. Your value is found not in your success. There's some of you out there today that you define your value by your next success, the next thing that you accomplish. And here's what God wants to say to you. God wants to say to you, that is not sustainable. The weight of the value that you are putting on yourself will crumble at some point. And beyond that, it will not satisfy because it only satisfies till the next success. You are not what you can do for someone else. You are his.
You don't get to define your value. Your success doesn't get to define your value. God does. That's what he does. For some of you in here, you need to hear that you are not defined. Your value is not defined by your greatest mistake. You are not defined by your worst moment. The world will try. The world will try to define you by your worst mistake. And the enemy will whisper in your ear and say, you are worthless. But the God over heaven and earth says, no, 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 no. I created you. You are mine. You are in my image. You are worth so much. I would leave heaven and go to the cross for you. Your mistake does not define your value. Would you know that today and live in that today? I've told this story before, but uh, my two daughters, I've got two teenage daughters, Maren's 19 and Naomi's 17. I told them when they turned 13, they could pick any place they wanted to go uh, for a daddy-daughter getaway, within reason. I wasn't going to take them to Paris or Rome. Their future husband can pay for that junk. Um, when Marin turned 13, she picked New York City, and we had a great time. We went to a Mets game. We went to a Broadway show. We got caught in the rain at Washington Square. It is one of my favorite memories. Naomi, when she was 13, she picked L.A., because she wanted to see uh, a movie studio and go to Harry Potter World. And because she has red hair, everybody at Harry Potter World called her Ginny Weasley. And so she loved that. And we had so much fun. But here's the question. Why did I take my daughters on a trip like that? And it's because what a father says about his daughter matters. The impact of a father matters. The words of a father matter. You see, I love my daughters to the point that I want the very, very best for them. And so I love them most. I love them best. I wanted to be able to help define their value, define their value in who they are in Christ and define their value as my daughter. You see, the world will try to define their value Culture will try to do that. TikTok certainly wants to do that. And I didn't want teenage boys defining their value. I wanted to. And I wanted to point them to the one that has the ultimate say in who they are, Jesus. Jesus proved to my girls that they were worth everything when he took his place for them on the cross. In that moment, for Marin and Naomi and for everyone in the sense that can hear the sound of my voice, in that moment when Jesus went to the cross, he defined your value. And you are worth much. You were bought with a price. He gave up everything so that you might have a way to heaven, so that you might know you are infinitely valuable. You do not get to define your value. Jesus gets to do that. Back to Starry Night one more time. This painting is currently estimated at a value of $100 million. It is at the Modern Museum of Art in Manhattan, New York. If you want to try to steal it, that's where it's at. This painting is worth $100 million, but the painting did not define itself. 
It didn't define its own value. Other people have done that. Art brokers and critics have defined its value at $100 million. In the same way, you are worth much, far more than $100 million, but you don't define your own value. Jesus gets to do that. And he has said, you are worth everything. You are worth his time. You are worth him going to the cross for you. So the next time you see a Van Gogh painting, my hope would be you would remember one of these two lessons. First, value Jesus. Value him as highest, as most, as preeminent, as precious. And secondly, you do not define your value. Jesus gets to do that. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you take the burden from us of defining ourselves and defining our value. I pray for each and every person. Would they know today that you think much of them? And God, maybe there's someone in here who they're walking down a path that is going away from you. Would you call them home? Would they know that you will welcome them with open arms? You will not judge, but yet you want the best for them. Would they know that there's healing and favor and peace and comfort in your arms? And would they know that they're worth that? That you believe, God, you have decided that they're worth those good things and deserve those good things. God, call us to you. Remind us that the world doesn't define us. Remind us that our success or failure doesn't define us, that you do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If today's message encouraged you or if there's someone who comes to mind that you think might need to hear today's message, take a moment now to share it with them. 